Father, we thank you for all oh, such a time that you've afforded us right here in this place to hear your word. And so connect us with your truth, Lord God. Your word is power. Your word is truth. Help us, Lord, not only to be hearers, but help us to assimilate your word in our daily living and give us the power to put it into practice. We love you and we praise you, mighty King. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Uh, we are uh, coming back to our series we've called James Practical Grace Filled Leaven. Uh, and for months, we've been studying this amazing, amazing book. It's a very short book, five chapters, not too big. Uh, but these are uh, principles for victorious living. That uh, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, the, God inspired his heart to put together. Uh, now, the, int the interesting thing about uh, James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, as I've told you before, he was a skeptic when Jesus was alive. He wasn't a believer. But after he saw Jesus rise from the dead uh, at the resurrection, uh, he became an ardent follower uh, and uh, became the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. Now, the reason he wrote this, uh, this book, this amazing book, as God inspired him to be, by the way, this was the very first Bible the New Testament Bible that the early church had before the Gospels or any of the Apostles. So you can tell how important it is. Uh, but one of the reasons why uh, we believe uh, that he put this uh, uh, amazing book together inspired by God is that God's people were being persecuted by the Romans in Jerusalem. Right? So Jerusalem had become a Roman Empire, and they were persecuting the Christians. And they had dispersed. They left Jerusalem and had scattered. And they could not meet together for fellowship and the study of God's word. So God inspired James to write this book, set it out to them so that they will know how to live in a time of uh, great uh, crisis and hardships. And, and in here, my brother my sister are truths, principles, God's wisdom keys for living and every chapter verse uh, in this amazing book is is applicable in our day today so today what i want us to do as we come to chapter number five is i i want to point out things that god wants us to do with respect to the money that he blesses us with uh, james talks about that he gives us three warnings and what i want to do is i i want to talk to you about these cautions i'll talk about two of them we'll continue the rest next week and with each of these also i will bring not just the warning but the positive not just what to avoid but what to do what to adapt so that we are living our life financially based on god's principles so that he will bless us how many of you know that if you follow god's way god's gonna bless you it's going to bless you more, including your financial welfare. And so today we're going to focus on the financial well-being of us. And God says, hey, here are certain things I want you to do with your money and certain things that you should not be doing with your money so that I can bless you. So I want to bring a very exciting, practical, relevant message today, how to handle money wisely from James chapter 4 beginning from verse 17 going all the way down to chapter 5 uh, verse number 8 so let's read that together and then I will unpack these truths for us read that with me he says uh, beginning from uh, James uh, 4 17 uh, going into ver uh, chapter 5 verse 8 he says if if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it it is a sin for them now listen you rich people, you have hoarded wealth in these last days. 
Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers are crying out against you. The cries have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones. You who uh, was not opposing you. Remember the Lord's coming. It's near. Amen. Now, this is a pretty strong passage, right? <laughs> Full of warnings. And I don't know if you immediately, as we read that, caught the three warnings about money that James gives us in that passage. But again, here's what I want to do. I want to focus on those cautions. And also, I want to flip it and, and, uh, and talk about what we ought to do. So what we should avoid and what we should do or adapt with whatever money, whatever world God happens to give you in this time of your life. So how do we make, save, and use possessions, wealth, wisely the first is this let's jump right into it let's unpack this through the first is this is uh, to follow god's god's instruction to be blessed by god financially what in accumulating wealth god says we should not what hoard it foolishly one more in accumulating wealth don't hoard it foolishly and, and james wants us he gives us this caution in verse 3 of james chapter 5 he says you have hoarded wealth in these last days amen now remember the bible teaches this <clears throat> excuse me that money is a tool it is neither good or bad it is just a tool and what we do with that that's what's important right and so repeat that with me look at it on your screen up on your headline it says what money is a tool to be used not a thing to be hoarded one more time money is what a tool to be used not a thing to be hoarded and God is saying that we should not be focused on piling up money that ought not be the center of our lives in other words God just doesn't want us to pile it up he wants his money to be in circulation he wants, he, he wants to bless us with his money so we can use us to be able to fulfill his purposes for the glory of God and, the f and for the good of others and mankind. And, 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 and Jesus tells us an amazing portion of scripture. Uh, you know, he tells us a story. He uses an illustration to help illuminate that. Do you know that Jesus in the, in the gospel taught more about money than anything else? about anything else and in one of those instances in Luke chapter 12 Jesus tells us a story of a successful farmer and it says this person had so much wealth that he could handle and he was successful and didn't know what to do with his wealth so instead of using it wisely what did he do he just stuck pulse it he says to himself, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my money that I've, I've accumulated. And so here's what I'm going to do. I will build bigger bonds and hoard it. And God says, hey, you fool. Tonight you are going to die. And somebody else is going to get all that you've worked for. And Jesus is saying, don't stockpile possessions. Don't hoard possessions. Let's look at that. Let's read that together so that we can hear, you know, from, from uh, the, the, the word itself. Look at it together. Jesus said, let's read that together up on the screen. He says what? Be careful to guard yourself from every kind of greed. Life is not about having a lot of material things. Then he used this illustration. He said, a rich man had land that produced good crops. He thought, what should I do? 
I don't have enough room to store my crops. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones so that I can store all my grain and goods in them. Then I will say to myself, you've stored up a lot of good things for, your, for years to come. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and what? Enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. I will demand your life from you tonight. Now who will get all of what you have accumulated for yourself? And Jesus adds, this teaching of truth. This is how it is when a person has material riches, but is not rich in his relationship with God. Now the key verse, the key message is, is in here. It's in verse 18 and 20. So let's look at that. Read that with me. He says what? Here's what he said. He said, I will just build bigger ones so that I can store all my goods for myself. And God said what? You fool. So while the conventional wisdom may be to say, hey, you know what? We just have to accumulate wealth. We have to hoard it. We have to put it together for ourselves and keep piling on and on and on. God comes to and says, that is the foolish thing. That is an unwise idea. And, and you know, this story reminds me of a, of a story that I heard in Texas about a, a successful farmer who said this. Money is kind of like fertilizer. If you spread it around, it is useful and it makes things grow. But if you just pile it up in one heap, guess what? It stinks, right? If you spread fertilizer around on the farm, it makes things bigger. It causes things to go well. It is very useful. But when you pile up fertilizer in one heap, it stinks. And so just remember this. Money is like fertilizer. It is best if you spread it around to make things grow. That is how you make money useful. Not piling it up or else it's going to stink. But what? Using that to the glory of God, the things that God has asked you to, so that God will get the glory, you will be blessed, and others will benefit from it. So what is the positive message in this? The positive message in this is this. Read that with me on your sermon outline up on the screen. He said what? Instead of hoarding money foolishly, I must what? Save it wisely. One more time. Instead of hoarding money foolishly, I must save it wisely. And so this is what God says. God says we should save money wisely. And he speaks to that in Proverbs 21.20. Proverbs 21.20. He says, look at this. He says, well, the wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends whatever they get. The wise person saves for the future. And that's what God is saying. So you may ask, you may ask this question, well, okay. If God tells us we are not to hoard money, but we are supposed to save money, what's the difference between hoarding and saving? Right? What's the difference between holding and saving? <laughs> it's good. It's good. You, you belong to, to, to Favor Life Church because we get into the world. There's a big difference between saving money and hoarding money. There's a big difference with that. And let's begin with the definition of hoarding. Look at it on the screen in your sermon outline. Please read that with me. The difference between saving and hoarding your possessions is in what? It's in your purpose and motivation. It's in what's your purpose? What's your motive? The difference between saving and hoarding. Amen. Now listen closely. Listen closely. People hoard money for at least two reasons, two purposes. They are motivated to hoard rather than save for two reasons. One is out of fear for their security. And two is out of pride for their status. 
So one is, is insecurity. Something might happen to me, so let me keep piling it up, and let me just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The second reason is what? what? For my status sake, for my popularity, so that I can fit in with others, so people can see that I am progressing in life, let me hold on to these things. It's the motive and it's the purpose. Out of fear for security and out of pride for status. So let's look at the first one. When God says, hey, I don't want you to hold, but instead I want you to hold money foolishly, but I want you to save it wisely. Why do people hold money? Why do people, it's all about money, 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 money. Amen. It's this, people hold money out of fear for their security. And this is their scarcity mentality. Say that with me, it's what? It's their scarcity mentality. And people hoard everything, hoard possessions, hoard money, hoard clothes, hoard shoes, hoard bags, hoard food, hoard, hoard things. They just, they just don't want to give it out because what? Because of their own anxiety, because of their own insecurity. And do you remember every once in a while we hear of a story of some poor elderly person who dies in object obvious poverty? Poverty. And when they go out and clear their little apartment and move their bed, many times what they find is hundreds and thousands of dollars, and yet this person is living in poverty. Why is that? Because what? Money had become their idol. That money had become the end in of itself. Because they've taught that holding on to money is the goal of life. And so if I have this, this is the end of life. I want more of this because life is all about money. Life is all about possessions. And so I got to keep piling on and piling on and piling on. They were so afraid to lose their money that they wouldn't even use their money. And there are people today so afraid that I want to keep part. I want to keep part. I, I, I don't want to use it myself. I don't want to give it to my kids. I don't want to give it to those who do. I don't want to sell it to ministers because what? money is the end of life. And that's the scarcity mentality. And what it does is that it represents insecurity. It represents what? Insecurity. Because now we know that, that, that this may be extreme, but many people. Even those who are Christians who love the Lord don't realize that they're doing the exact same thing with their money and their possessions. That rather than putting their security in the Lord, they're putting their security in what? Materialism, in their possessions, in money, in their bank accounts. And no matter how much they have, how much they accumulate, and how much they store and hoard, they have these questions in the back of their mind. Do I have enough? Am I going to run out? Will I need more? And because they equate their security with what they have accumulated, hoarding becomes a way of life. Hoarding becomes a trust issue for them rather than trusting in God's promises. And they are trusting their bank accounts more than trusting in God's promises. And because of that, they are hesitant to give it away. Either giving it generously to be able to support the Lord's work, giving it generously to be able to support the things and the causes that God moves their heart to, understanding that God is the owner and the possessor of all things, and we are just the steward, we are the custodians, we are his representatives, that through us God will what, fulfill the things he wants to do in this world. 
And so you see, my brother, my sister, those who hoard, they think, you know what, I, I will need this in an emergency. What am I going to do without it? This is what I rely on. Not relying on God, but what? Relying on that. So money becomes the God. Money becomes that idol. So you see, you see, hoarding, right, is based on a scarcity mentality. I won't have enough, but savings is based on a stewardship mentality. God has entrusted me with his positions, and so I've got to do well to make good of it. So that I can use it to be able to work fulfill what God wants. I don't have to spend it previously, but what? Save it and use it as a move by God to be able to do his work and his will. Scarcity mentality says, I'm scared to death. I won't have enough. And so I'm going to hoard, 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 hoard. And I don't want to give it away to friends. I don't want to give it away to neighbors. I don't want to give it away to anyone else. And I'm going to hold on to it because I might need it. And my brother, my sister, if you live with a scarcity mentality, you are always afraid that God will not keep his promises for you. You say, what's going to happen next year? What's going to happen when I lose my job? What's going to happen when I, when I can't pay my rent? What's going to happen when my car breaks down? And so therefore, I need to hold on and hold on and stockpile. So it is the motivation and the purpose in what matters. If, you know, I need this so that I will be sufficient in my own self rather than trusting in God. Then God says, hey, that's not right. That's not right. And when that happens, it's an expression of a lack of faith. It represents that we don't trust God to be generous to us. And so therefore, we, we are not generous with other people who are in need. And we might be afraid that God may not even give us more. That it will run out. That God may decide that, hey, he, he gave us this, he gave us this job, he's opened this door for us, and he won't give us more. So I, I better hold on to it. And that's the exact opposite of God's promises and purposes for us. Over and over in his word, God has promised us over 100 times in scripture that he will give to us generously. And as he gives generously to us, he wants us also to be generous in using his possessions for the glory of God. And it says, when you, I will give you generously, and I expect you also to give generously. And as you give generously, I will bless you. And as you give, God will give you the more. But when we become stingy and want to hoard, and, and this, this money, this possession has become my God. I need it. So when I'm in trouble, I can have it. I need it based on fear that I will not have enough. Then that scarcity mentality represents a lack of faith in God. And God says, that is not right. And that's not how he wants us to save and use wealth wisely. One of the most popular, and I'll say one of the most comforting verses in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Here's what the last part says. Right? And, and people have memorized that. I encourage you to memorize that. Look at that with me. God has said what? I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. One more time. God has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. What a comforting, comforting promise of God that no matter what happens, no matter what season we're going to, no matter how high inflation is, no matter how high the, the job situation, no matter what's going on in our situation, and things, God tells us in the last days, things will get progressively worse. Right? Uh, and we are going to look at that, right? In the next few weeks, as we really study the book of James, we'll come to a place where we'll be looking at what's going to happen in the end times. And you realize that we are already in the end times, right? And so becoming a church every Sunday, and I think it's part 14 of our 15-part message, we're going to look at the book of James, and God will speak to us.
right? And so God said, no matter what's happening in good times, in bad times, in crisis moment, understand and realize this. It says, I will be with you. I will never abandon you. And I will never leave you. In fact, people have taken this portion of scripture and they put it on posters to hang in a house, put it on a refrigerator, put it in the living room, you know, put it so made, made, made placards out of this because it's, it's, it's an amazing portion of scripture. But here's what's happening. Uh, they always leave out the first half of that verse. And the first half of that verse says, don't hoard money. The first half of that verse tells us this. That because God is with you, he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll never abandon you, he's a provider, he's the source of your life, so therefore do not hold. Look at, look at that, let's look at the full verse, Hebrews 13.5, you see what? Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with whatever you have, because God has said, I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. Why should you have your faith in God and faith in possessions why should you not have this scarcity mentality why should you not have the, the fear of not having enough because God has said I'll be with you I'll never leave you I'll never abandon you so do what don't hold don't love money be content with what you have because when you need it God will provide when you need it God will provide so let me be really frank with you and ask you a question. What are you trusting for your future financial security? Are you trusting in your possessions? Or are you trusting in God's presence? Are you relying on your possessions to give you security? Or are you relying on God's presence? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't make money and don't save money. But it's the motive. It's the attitude. It's the purpose that God looks at. He says, if you are hoarding it because you are afraid that, hey, I won't have enough. I won't have enough. God is saying, no, 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 no. That's not why I, I, I gave you this money. And I won't continue to open doors for you if you are in that mentality that the more I have, the more secure that I will become. Because you could own the whole world and things, everything else just go awash in your life. You could have a stockpile of cash and life becomes meaningless for you. A person's life doesn't consist of the abundance of his possessions. So the scarcity mentality, God says, that's not what I created, man. Now, the second reason people hold also, as I've said, is one is because of insecurity, I won't have enough fear of, of, of not having enough, fear of losing it. The second reason is what also what is pride for their status, right? People hold and keep piling money because they feel like money is a way to be able to validate their value. When people see the clothes I have, they would, they, would, they would know that I'm successful. If they see the car that I drive, they will know that things are going well. If they see the house that I live in, if they see me having cash and really looking good on the outside, the, the house I live in, the things that I do, I'm doing with my money is a, what, a representation of my value. That my value equals my possessions. It is the way to prove their status. It is the way to show off their success. And look at what God tells us. Look at what God tells us. In Proverbs 62 verse 10, it says, If your riches increase, don't be proud. Right? 
Pride is all internal. Pride is what? It's a, an imagination of who you are that God that doesn't want you to base your value on. You are a child of God. That is enough. You are connected to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. That is your value. That is your value. God has forgiven of your sins here on planet Earth until you leave this world. He has promised to take off all your needs. And when you leave this world, there's paradise waiting for you in heaven. That is your value. Not the clothes you wear, not the shoes you have. Not the house you live in, not the cars you drive, all that will be passed away. And so, if you are using materialism to be able to prove your status, prove how advanced you are, I gotta say, No, 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 no. I didn't give it to you so that you can walk around with a chip over your head looking up and you say, um, I'm doing well. Look at my car, look at the degree on the wall, look at where I work. I'm all these things. God says, No. He says, don't be proud. Don't be proud of your riches. That's not why I gave it to you in the first place. And so when God says that, hey, understand this, in accumulating wealth, don't hold it foolishly. Instead, save it wisely. He teaches us that that, that, that mentality of hoarding is not of God, and God will not bless. And we don't want to be like that rich farmer who says, I've had it all. Let me keep hoarding. And God says, you fool. There are people who are going to be enjoying this stuff because if you, if you don't want to give it to them voluntarily, I will get you out of the picture so that others can enjoy what I've used your life as a custodian, as a repository of my wealth so that it can get to places and people who you should be passing it on. Now, I realized that for years, for years, for years, Forbes magazine had... They post the annual list of 400 wealthiest people in the world. And that for many, many, many years, just this whole list kept wealthy people from giving any of their money away because they felt, look, you know what, if I give it away, I'll come down. Next year when they do the list, I'll come down. And I, and I, and I don't want to come down. So rather than giving it to charity, giving it to the needy, giving it to those who really can use the, invest in that to be able to help uh, solve problems and cure diseases and bring about new invention. I will not do that because if I give it away, when they put the list together of 400 most wealthiest people in the world, I will come down. That was a list to reward people to hold. But then they got smart, which I, I give them credit for it. A few years back, Forbes started another list called the, the most generous people in the world. Called the most philanthropist. People who give away more money and they begin to stack it up. This person gave so much, so much, so much. And now, now you find that many, many people then decided all of a sudden, I don't want to be on the list of hoarders. I want to be on the list of people who, who give it away. When I leave this world, I want to be noted of the good that I did. The people are blessed. How? I use my money to make a difference in the world. And so we, found, we find the wealthiest people in the world like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Michael Bloomberg. All of them, they moved from the world's most hoarders to what? The world's most what? Givers. And you hear people like one brother, he says, I'm going to give all my wealth away. All my wealth is gone. 
Glory to Almighty God. And this is what God wants us to be. God says, hey, money is not something you, you, you want to hoard, but it's a tool to be used in accumulating wealth. Don't hoard it foolishly, but save it wisely. Save it wisely. So what's the difference between hoarding and saving? One is good. God says, saving, to use it to be able to serve God's purposes. The other hoarding is bad. And next week, I want to encourage you to come church because I will drill down uh, a little bit more and then uh, share with you the biblical reasons for saving. So the first thing James teaches us in this scripture passage, God says the best use of money that he blesses us with. So that he can bless us the more is don't hoard it foolishly, but do what? Save it wisely. Save it wisely. Oh, here's the second thing that the Apostle James tells us to do with money, with God's possessions. In acquiring wealth, don't make it what? Dishonestly. Say that with me. In acquiring wealth, don't make it dishonestly. Now, of course, there are many, many ways to make money dishonestly. We all probably know a few, and so I won't go into that. But James points out the common mistakes that, that we do, and sometimes unknowingly. Unknowingly. And it is being unfair to the people who support you. That the people that God sends in your life to support you, God is saying we should be fair to them. In acquiring wealth, don't make it dishonestly. Now, for business people, it is Paying your employees a fair wage. For everyone else who is not an, an, an employer, it's being fair to the people who support you. And in this area, God wants us to use godly discretion. When people don't come and ask us for things, but God uses them to bless us, when he moves on our heart, we shouldn't hesitate to be able to give them what we think is fair. Now, here is the one Here is the one that James tells us. Look at verse 4 of James 5. It says what? The wages you fail to pay the workers are what? Crying out against you. Their cries have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now, I tell you, this is one scary verse for, for any business owner, for any person who has the opportunity, who has the ability to be able to give to somebody who has been of support to them and have held back. And God is saying, hey, they walked away shaking their head and says, wow, I did all this thing for these people. And they, did, they didn't even recognize that. They didn't even appreciate that. He says, God heard it. God heard their complaints. God heard their moans. All the time, energy, uh, uh, scales, ability to extend it, that is not recognized. And God is saying, you know what, when you treat people unfairly, God says, I make notice of that. And God hears that. God hears that. Mm -hmm. So this is not just for business owners, but all of us. All of us. And the question is, when we borrow money from people, do we pay it back? When we ask people to be able to give us something to use with the intention of, oh, I'm just giving it to you now, do we turn it back? Are we misusing our responsibility, our authority, the tools and resources that are given to us on a job, are we using it for company purposes or we look left and right when no one is looking, we take it home with us so we use that? When we go to a place, a party, somebody visits us, do we just load it up on that buffet and say, I'm going to have it, right? And then, you know, I can have it lunch for tomorrow. My kids can have that. My husband can have that. All my neighbors can have that. And I'm looking around. These people are so rich. Look at everything they've done. Let me load it and take it away. Are we being fair? Are we being fair? And God says, hey, this is important. 
right, in handling wealth wisely. Are we misusing that? Here's the larger principle. Here's the larger principle in Proverbs 10.2. Proverbs 10.2. Look at this. It says what? Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty will save your life. Isn't the truth? You say, well, well I, I made good on that. I did so good. Look at all the things I've, got, I've gotten that I never paid for it. Right? You try, if we're trying to be sneaky, if we're trying to be selfish, if we're trying to one-up somebody because of their kindness, because of their courtesy, they may not say anything on the spot, but they look and say, oh, wow, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, really? They are walking there with a whole bag of stuff they took from my house when I invited them to come to a party. It says, you guarded this honesty. You guarded, you didn't even ask of it. You just took it away because you want to have it. God is saying, hey, it will do you no good. I can't bless that. Hello? I cannot bless that. But when you live honestly, when you live honestly, it says, yes, th that you'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. When somebody does something for you and they don't charge you, but they spend time and energy and resources and their skills to do that. Do we even take the time to appreciate them, to recognize them, to thank them? You say, well, they didn't charge me. Oh, if I went to a store, if I called somebody else, they would have sent me an invoice for a bill. But this is my neighbor, my friend, my brother, my sister, my church member. They did it free for me, and I saved a lot of money. We ought to use godly discretion. When God tells you to do something, do it. Do it. Get an envelope and put it in your hands and drop it somewhere where they can have it. They say, no, I don't want to have it. says, God told me to give it to you and therefore I'm going to do it because that's the right thing to do. Now, do you know this? Do you know this? That this is known in the restaurant community. It is known in the restaurant community. That Christians are the worst tippers. Google that someday when you go home. Google that this afternoon. Google the word Christians are the worst tippers. And you find article upon article upon article where we are known as stingy. We praise the Lord. We honor God. We want God to bless us. But when it comes to voluntarily putting money in the cup, adding a little bit more for somebody who cooked our food, wiped our table, bring water to us, it's like, oh, it's their job. Christians are known to be what? The worst tippers in the restaurant community <laughs> shaking my brother shaking his head and God is saying don't do that and he says this so there's the positive of it instead of acquiring wealth dishonestly we should what treat others fairly one more time treat others fairly one more time treat others fairly use godly discretion the Holy Spirit will tell you who to bless. The, oh, look at them. They, they have so much that they don't need mine. I even need some of what they have. It's not, it, it's not yours. You are stewards, custodians of God's possessions. Look at what the Bible says on this. Oh, my goodness. I, I tell this portion of scripture when I was preparing this message, it brought tears to my eyes. It brought tears to my eyes. Proverbs 16, 11. Read that with me. The Lord watches to see if are fair of, of if we cheat others. So the Lord is not just watching to hear your prayers. The Lord is not watching to find out that you've read the Bible, you know pages, and you attend church, and you sing. The Lord is also watching to see if we have been fair or we have cheated. Now, what do you think he's going to do when he realizes that we've, been fair, we've not been fair and cheated others? Is, is he going to bless you the more so you can continue to cheat others? 
you can continue to be stingy and armstrong when God says, hey, I want you to bless this person. The reason I gave it to you, the reason I gave you a little bit more than you need today, you may not have enough for the whole month, enough for the whole year. Yes, we all have unlimited need because God wants us to depend on him, depend on him to bless us. But it says, but are you stingy? The Lord watches to see if we are fair or if we have cheated others. So if you want God's blessing on your finances, you've got to be fair with everyone else. Yes, your friends, your family members, your children, your spouses, and even strangers. What? Strangers. I like this portion of scripture, how it's been expanded. If you add verse 12 to verse 11 in the living Bible, it even paints a picture so that we can know the mind of God. You see, the Bible doesn't just tell us what God wants us to know. The Bible tells us the mind of God. The mind of God. Paul says, that so that we may know the mind of God. We may know the mind of God. Sorry, now, daily, says, this is what God, this is who God is. This is what God wants me to do. This is what he said, and this is what it means. And therefore, let me apply that to my life. Look at Proverbs 16, 11 to 12. Amazing portion of scripture. Read that with me, wherever you are. Read that with me on your, on your sermon outline up on the screen. The Lord demands fairness in every business deal. He established this principle. It is what? A horrible thing for a king to do evil. His right to rule depends upon his fairness. Now, you are the head and not the tail about that beneath. We are kings and queens and prince and princes in the kingdom of God. Amen. We are representatives of God and God has elevated our status. And so this, this, this picture, this, this does not only pertain to people who have a kingly title as God's people. We are what? Elevated. Amen. On earth. So it applies to you and I. So what is this saying? He says, God has established this principle God has what established this principle and there are three principles that God has established when it comes to what his money his resources because it all belongs to who God he gave it to you while you are here you're not going to take it with you he wants to use you to be able to pass it around and I want to be a place where I'm a good custodian a good distributor of God's wealth Amen. I want to be the one that God is using me to give. Not, not only to be the one that God is using others to give to me. I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver, not a taker. So how can we be more givers? He says, here's the principle. Principle number one is what? The Lord demands fairness. One more time. The Lord demands fairness. In every deal, in every transaction, in every interaction, am I being fair? God says, this is the principle. Are you being fair? Did you treat your child, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your kids, your church member, your church, your church that God is using to run interference, to pray for you, to enlighten you? Are you treating that right? The, the, the man of God or the family that God is using as his representative to speak his word in every transaction. You and God knows what's fair. There's no price tag on that based on how he's blessed you. In every, God demands fairness in Every deal, every transaction, every interaction, glory to Almighty God. You say, well, I don't have enough. Well, how about even just a thank you? How about a bottle of water for somebody who came and offered it to them and let them say no? He said, no, in this coronavirus, I don't want to offer somebody. A... He said, hey, would you like a bottle of water? 
Be fair. Hello. I have this stack of clothes that my kids don't need anymore. I could take their goodwill, but I think your kid is the same size. Would you like it? Would you what? Let them say no. The Lord has established this principle that in every transaction, every interaction, I've got to be fair. And God doesn't suggest it. He what? Demands it. Secondly, second principle. It says, if I want to be unfair, God is saying it's a horrible thing. Do you see that? It is a horrible thing to do evil. And he calls it evil. He calls it you are acting like Satan. You are acting like demons. You've allowed selfishness to rule over your heart. You've allowed pride to become your God. You've allowed the possessions that I'm giving you to become the very source of your well-being. And so this is evil and it is a horrible thing. Amen. Glory to God. Not coming from me. Oh, the, Lord, the, the Lord is speaking to me too. All of us together. So the first principle is it says what? I demand fairness in every deal. With everybody. The second establishment that God has ordained is that it's a horrible thing to be unfair. And God calls it evil. The third thing is this. Your right of success depends on how fair you are to people. Look at this. His right to rule depends upon his fairness. Your right to be blessed, your right to be elevated, your right to become the head, not a tail, your right to be singular for greatness. Your right to have the promotion in your life, breakthroughs, healing, success. Your right to receive the grace of God that is unearned, undeserved, uncommon that others have not, depends upon your what? Fairness. Hello. And so when you have people who are just praying and fasting, sign up to send down all night prayers. And when they are done praying, they are as Armstrong, Armstrong as you know what God is saying. Look, you just wasted your time. Because your right, your right to rule, your right of promotion, your right of success depends upon fairness. God will not bless disobedience. He will not bless selfishness. He will not bless a hoarded attitude. Oh, am I preaching to myself today? And so instead of acquiring it on dishonestly, God says, out of what? Treat people fairly. If I want God's blessing upon my finances, I've got to be fair to everybody else. Say that with me. If I want God's blessing on my finances, I've got to be what? Be fair to everybody else. One more time. If I want God's blessing on my finances, I've got to be fair to everyone. And so if anyone in the sound of my voice is secretly gleeful about how they've always gotten the better deal. How they've always gotten the better deal. Oh, whenever I go to my brother's house, I go to my sister's house, I go to so-and-so's house, look at everything that I come back with. Oh, that is good. Oh, that is good. You are, you are secretly gleeful about how you've gotten away with stuff. You've had a better deal. You have a better deal in a transaction with people and they didn't get the true value of what they deserved. And you're happy about that. God says, I'm not happy about that. And how do you expect God to bless you financially, bless your family, if you are not fair with the people that he sent to support you? 
So the, so the, second, the second principle of wealth, the second principle of how we handle, make, save, and use money wisely is this. That when we don't make it dishonestly, we don't acquire it dishonestly, but instead of what? As God blesses us, what? We use the possessions, the wealth, the opportunity, the access, the wisdom that God has given us to treat people fairly. In other words, we should exercise godly discretion by being honest and generous. Being honest and what? Generous. <laughs> oh, is, is the Bible speaking to any of us today? And, and here's one more reason why we've got to be honest and generous and not hoard and not be people who are acquiring things dishonestly. Look at Proverbs 119. It says, The wealth you get from crime, that's what robs you of your life. The one God calls it evil. He calls it horrible. Here he's saying it's a crime before God. You got it dishonestly. And so he said, well, there is, there's, nothing, there's nothing in the constitution that says if I come and, and take food away. <laughs> because you invited me, I'll go to jail. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the laws of man. We're talking about what? God's ethics. God's principles. And it says, if we acquire it, elite, if we acquire that dishonestly, he says what? It, it will wrap us of life. Did you know that? Did you know that any wealth you get dishonestly, you are, that you wrapped other people off. God is saying, you, 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 you didn't rob them because guess what? God's going to bless them the more. But you are robbing yourself. Hello? Jesus said, it is the little yeast that spoils the whole dough. Right? That stuff that you didn't need to have and you brought it home to yourself as the one that's born whole. That's one that's opened up, uh, opened up all kinds of curses and problems and hardships and difficulties that come into your life. Jesus said, whatever the carcass is, the vultures will gather. Whatever there is a stage, whatever there is a weakness, whatever there is something that is not of God, it will become a magnet to be able to bring evil into your life. The wealth you get from crime, what you have acquired dishonestly, says it will rob you of life. And God says it will rob you of life in various ways. It will rob you of dignity, right? How many people that you know who are like that? You see them, you go to a place, you see them, you stand back and you see what they're doing. Wow. Wow. What's happening? They are robbing themselves of what dignity? We rob our lives of character. The people look at us and say, so oh, this person has no character. They won't say nothing to you, but you rob yourself of character. You are robbing yourself of integrity. It means that, listen, if you come to my house and I just need to run, run next door to the store, I'll say, my sister, my brother, I, I, I need to run next door. Can you wait in the, in, the, in the backyard? I'll be right back. I can't leave you right there in my home. Right? Because you don't have integrity. 
You demonstrate a lack of integrity. Hello. <laughs> when, when it, these are things that close the door for others. When, when at the company, they are looking for people to promote. They are looking for somebody to make the, become the team leader, the supervisor. This, a position has come in and they're looking for people to encourage them to post for the, apply for the position. And they're going to call you because you've demonstrated. You've demonstrated that you don't have integrity. You don't have that. And God is saying, you are robbing yourself because of your dishonesty. Robbing your life of authenticity. And what dishonesty does to you, my brother, my sister, is not worth the gain in profit you're going to have. Right? What dishonesty will do to you, it's not worth the gain of, of the profit that you've got. So God says, just don't do it. Make money honestly. Acquire possessions honestly and what? Be fair to people because the God who gave you will give you more. The God who gave you, now you are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. God can count you with his resources to be able to pass on to those that he wants you to pass on. And what's that going to leave you? What's that going to leave you? Your God, God will give you more than you pass on, that you keep some for yourself, but your generosity will open the windows of heaven and bless you with more than you need. Oh, so the apostle first says, don't hold it foolishly, instead save it wisely. <laughs> then he says, instead of acquiring possessions, dishonestly treat others fairly. Now let me end where I began. Look at James 4.17. See, everything God tells you, there's a blessing connected with that, right? So in James 4.17, here's where we started. God says what? If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin. He says, I'm telling you good things, godly ethics, Christian principles, attitudes of the heart that God wants you to practice every day when it comes to your position. Yes, these are difficult times, but yes, God says what? As my child, you will never be naked, you will never be hungry, you will never be homeless. I will provide for your needs that even what I've given you out of it, everybody has something to give. And this is the good that I want you to do. And if, if you don't do what God looks at it and says, it's a sin. It's a sin. But here's the positive. I love this portion of scripture. I want to end on this. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. You see the word good in there? Tell people to use their money to do good. One more time. Tell people to use their money to do good. They should be what? Be rich in good works. They should give happily to those indeed. Always ready to share with others whatever God has given them. In the first place, who gave it to you? God gave it to you. Right next. He says, by doing this, what's happening? They are what? Storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be what? Be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. And that is what God sent me to tell you. To show you how you can live a fruitful Christian life down here. Not only down here also, but how you can store up real treasure in heaven, which is the only safe investment. If you receive this message, say amen. Glory to God. And it says, use, 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 use money, use possessions for God. And it's told us how, what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. 
He says, don't be, he says, be rich in good works. Be rich in generosity. Be rich in honesty. Be rich, be rich. Not stacking things up, but use money for the purposes that God has intended it to be. Not hoard and not acquire dishonestly. Glory to Almighty God. But save wisely and treat people fairly. When you do that, Oh, glory to God. And do it happily. Do it joyfully. Do it willingly. Do it. Look at me. God has given me something I can give to somebody. Hey, God has been good to me. Oh, I didn't expect to be in this place. I want to be used by God. I want to be God's ambassador. I want to be his mouth, his hand, his feet, his voice. I want to be the pastor. I want to be, I want to be, oh, the messenger of God to bring good news, to bring good fruits to people. Do it happily to those indeed. He says, always be ready to share with others what God has given you. Has God given you something don't be a hoarder he says when you do this yes what's going to happen he said you get two big benefits and a bonus on that <laughs> a benefit in heaven a benefit on earth and then a bonus of leading a fruitful christian life fruitful means it, it attaches your health your finances glory your family your generation your grandkids fruitfulness hello how many of you want to be fruitful who glory god god says unnamed uncommon innumerable immeasurable blessings fruitfulness fruitful christian life oh i want that for me i want that for you as your pastor glory to almighty god well, wherever you are until tell God to burn these truths into your heart and your mind. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, Father, right now, Lord God Almighty, as your people have gotten and heard your word, give each and every one of us a generous heart. Give us an honest heart. Help us, Lord God, to be dispensers of your grace. Help us, Lord God Almighty, not to be hoarders. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yes, but, oh, burn this truth in us that we, your children, are wise, are wise, Lord God, in our, oh, Jesus, in our giving, in our saving, and then treating people fairly. Burn it in us, Lord God. And even now, oh, God, oh, this week, open our eyes to who we need to be generous to, who we need to go back, who we need to go back, oh, Jesus, and serve and become a servant to them. As you have provided for us, Lord God Almighty, and let us act on that accordingly. So that as you mentioned, Lord God, there will be treasures in heaven for us. <laughs> and there will be a stockpile of blessings here on earth for us, oh God. And everyone at the sound of my voice, oh, help them, Lord God Almighty, to inherit this blessing of a fruitful Christian lifestyle. Because of their generosity, because of their honesty, because they are your ambassadors, your ministers here on earth, Lord God, to be able to reach those that you want to reach. Father, bless your people today, oh God, my Lord, to inherit this blessing. Help us to apply these works in this evil world, in this selfish world, in this prayerful world. Give us the heart, oh God, my Lord, of generosity, of humility, of honesty. Help us to be sowers and investors in humanity that you will get the greater glory and you bless us the more. In Jesus' name. Father, and bless your people have they visited with you. Send them off with a special blessing. Where there's sickness, bring healing. 
where there's hardship, Lord God, ease their burdens. Take them places they've never been. Call their names, Lord God Almighty. Revisit them and send a revival in their heart. Jara, you are enough for us. And we pray, oh God, right now, I pray that you'll be enough for your people. you supply all their needs. you meet them where they are, oh God, my Lord. you become, oh Jesus, that, that denominator, the denominator that will cancel every hardship, every numerator that is weighing them down, Lord God Almighty. You bring great relief and blessing to them. Bless your people, mighty God. In Jesus' name. Amen.